pray with me, would you? Okay, thank you for that reckless love. It looks so reckless to us. What are you thinking, God? In loving people like us, in choosing people like us. Oh God, thank you that your love isn't based on what we've done or where we've been. It's based on who we can be in you. God, would you speak to us now? Invite us into who we really are? Not the false fronts that we constantly put up before other people, but who we really are in Christ. God, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts would be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Amen. Well, I don't know if you saw it, but it happened again. It happens every day. All over the world, especially it seems in the United States, especially it seems in Christendom within the United States, and maybe even especially here in Evansville. Last night it was in Walmart. Yeah, the one right down here. Woman was just walking, walking in one of the aisles of Walmart in her pajama bottoms. And someone judged her for that. Someone made a decision about her eternal destiny based on the fact that she was wearing pajama bottoms in Walmart. Oh, it happens all the time. A couple aisles over, it happened again. I know. I know it happened again. There was a mom and and her kid was just having a hissy fit on the floor. And someone looked at her and said, what's the matter with you in their mind? They said, they said, can't you control your own children? Oh, it's too bad you're not like me with perfect children, right? Uh, It happened again. It happened yet again. I understand. And I don't know. Happened again on the way from Walmart. Person cut off another person. A, a righteous person. Another person just cut them off. Cut them off in their car and whipped through the light, turned left onto the Lloyd and sped away. This other person, who shall remain nameless, thought, that person doesn't know how to drive. And, and, and he followed them. Happened to be going that same direction. He sped up because he really wanted to know who there was. Maybe, maybe if I get close enough, I can see their license number, right? This person, I mean, not necessarily me, but this person, I understand. And, and came up right behind them, right? And, and, and right at the, at the intersection of Epworth and the Lloyd. Got close enough where he could finally see the license plate, but they took off again. They turned right. And then they made another fast right. And then they made yet another fast right and headed for the emergency room at Gateway Hospital. Oh, it happens all the time. Happens so often in the church that the church has gotten a reputation in the world. Right? Favorite word, right? 50% of the people that you encounter, if you ask them, what do you think about the church? They will say, the church is full of, help me, hypocrites, right? And they're so judgmental, right? And, And we start to say, well, well, if you looked at yourself, you wouldn't judge us, right? And, and we start to posture ourselves. Jesus is saying, this shouldn't be, beloved. 
not only should it not be out of our understanding of who he is, but, but he makes some incredible statements in his word about what the natural consequences of that kind of brokenness are. Throughout our study of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus has taken it to us. Amen? Anybody else been to the woodshed during this season? Yeah, I bear the marks on my body. Uh, it, it has been so challenging, so convicting. Usually it has come in the form of, uh, of, you've heard it said this, but I say to you that, and the Holy Spirit took that and, and took it right to the center of our hearts. He didn't do that this time. Our base passage today will be that Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 and following. But, but today he did something different. Today he just, he just called us out. Did you hear it? A few, a few moments ago when we read that scripture together, Jesus says, judge not that you not be judged. For with the judgment you use, it will be pronounced to you. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Wow. Our continual journey to become more like Jesus And now drawing near the conclusion of the Sermon on the Mount, he's not pulling any punches. And and these words could have been written yesterday. They could have been coming from the very lips of God yesterday for us, even as followers of Jesus Christ. I want to suggest to you that our entire passage, it it was long, but our entire passage, including the encouragement here to, to not judge other people, to, the encouragement to be careful how we think about other people and, and, and discern whether or not they can receive the message that we have. When he talks about hogs and dogs, right? The encouragement to pray and to approach Jesus on the very behalf of the people that we want to judge And then that amazing passage that we know of is the golden rule, a prescription for how we can live in a judgmental world. I want to suggest to you that all these things are one teaching, one invitation of God to leave behind something that is weighing us down and and greatly inhibiting the message of the gospel to a world that so desperately needs to see it, to a world that needs to hear of the mercy and love of Jesus. One of the reasons I know that this was intended to be a, um, a single teaching, not just a collection, as some have even said, of different teachings thrown in at the last minute, was that in, in, two, in two repetitions, uh, Jesus tells us what we are not to do, and then he tells us what God does, and then he tells us what we are to do. And he does that in two cycles. And so if any one of those teachings had been missing, that pattern would not have been, been repeated. And, and so I know that God wants us to get this whole word, and I recognize it's huge. But I want to invite you to open your heart to this encouragement from Jesus today. Let's start, let's start by saying, what is it that we are not to do? Well, clearly here he says something powerful. Don't judge other people. Don't judge other people like that person who shall remain nameless did at Walmart yesterday, right? Um, Don't make decisions about their final destination when Jesus doesn't even do that yet. 
You've heard me say over and over again, there will come a judgment. There will come a judgment day. Scripture is eminently clear about that. There will come that day. This is not that day. This is not that day of judgment. And so who are we to do what God won't do on this day? To understand it, we have to ask ourselves some questions. What is this judgment? We have have said over and over again that justice means getting what we deserve, right? Remember, mercy means not getting what we deserve. Grace means getting something positive that we don't deserve. But if justice is getting what we deserve, then judgment means determining what someone deserves. Wow. Judgment means determining what someone deserves. And usually, usually that determination comes by comparing ourselves with someone else. Did you hear that amazing story in Luke 18? Barbara, I think, read it for us. It, it happens in a worship service that a religious person and and uh, not, I, I want to say a sinner, but, but one who is amazingly publicly recognized as, as the worst of sinners. I was trying to wrap my brain around it. The best I could do would be to imagine someone in Poland in World War II who, when the Nazis invaded, flipped over to the Nazi side and betrayed every one of his Polish brothers, Right? You're starting to get a feel for what a tax collector was? That's what a tax collector was in the first century culture. It's a Jew, someone who would know everybody else, know their incomes, know their sources of income, who flipped to the Romans' side and then not only taxed them and caused them financial burden, but then many times three and four times the amount of taxes that they actually were supposed to collect, they collected in pocket. You can imagine the attitude of most people toward tax collectors. So in Luke 18, Jesus is telling a story about a a religious person, a a religious lay person who's praying in, I'm going to substitute church here, praying in the temple, and in comes this tax collector next to them, and, and, and the religious person is praying, oh God, thank you that I'm not like this person. Right? I was feeling kind of bad about myself, but then he came in, and now I feel much better about myself, right? Someone who elevates themselves by comparing themselves with someone else and judging someone else. Keep in mind that this person came into the temple to meet with God, right? At that point, that's where God dwelled, in the temple, at that, in the Holy of Holies at that point. He came in there. This person didn't come in trying to justify himself before God. In fact, what, do you remember what he said? I'm a miserable sinner. Have mercy on me, God. Have mercy on me. And Jesus challenges us. Says, Who do you think left that place right before God? Not the religious person. Not the person who trusted. They did all the right things. They're not bad things. They're very good things. They tithe. They, they sacrificed. They blessed other people. They did those things religiously. But they judged Someone who God didn't even judge. They, they judged the person next to them. Wow. Wow. But surely, we don't judge others, right? Or trust in our own righteousness, do we? 
I want you to think for just a second about the different areas of your life because this just creeps in. It creeps in when you're not paying attention and all of a sudden you find yourself doing it. Think about your job. Think about your job. You say, I'm a hard worker. Surely God will bless me, right? He will reward me. I work much harder than those around me. What have we done? We just judge people based on our job. Think about your family. Because I do right things as a parent, right? I'm more godly than that parent at Walmart who can't control their kids, right? Well, how about theology? I think about God in right ways. My way of thinking about God is more righteous than your way of thinking about Him. And God prefers me because I have good theology, right? How about your intellectual prowess? I'm better read. I'm more articulate. I'm more culturally savvy than others. That obviously makes me more superior. Let's keep going. How about our schedule? I'm self-disciplined. I'm rigorous in my time management. That makes me more mature than others. How about flexibility? In a world that's so busy, I'm always flexible and relaxed. I'm always making time for others. Shame. Shame on those who don't do that as I do. How about even good things? We've seen this over and over in the Sermon on the Mount. Good things that became a, a foundation of judgment against someone else. How about mercy? I care for the poor and disadvantaged the way everybody else should. How about legalism? I don't drink, I don't smoke, I don't chew or go with those that do, right? I'm more holy than most. How about finances? I manage money wisely. I stay out of debt, right? Dave Dave Ramsey could learn a few things from me. I'm not like all those other materialistic people who can't control their spending, right? How about political? Uh Uh-oh, now you're meddling, Pastor Dave. If you really love God, you'll vote for my candidate, right? If you really love God, just saying, right? How about tolerance? I am open-minded and accepting of everybody else, unless you disagree with me. The only thing I can't tolerate are those who are intolerant, right? You see how easy any source, any source of righteousness other than Jesus leads to self-exaltation. And Jesus is saying, leads to judgmentalism for other people. And Jesus had some pretty harsh words to say about those of us who are judgmental. Well, what's wrong with it? What's wrong with with judging? In fact, a strong case could be made through, especially the the hogs and and dogs passage, that that we are called to judge, aren't we? Yeah, we're called to discern, especially for believers. Now, Jesus is talking especially about those who do not have the Holy Spirit, those who have not found the resources that you've found. Who are you to judge their spiritual condition when they don't have the Holy Spirit within them? Many of them don't have the Word of God to point out their struggle, right? What's wrong with judging? Well, well, our perceptions are often skewed by our own issues and sin. I'm going to say our own undealt with issues and sin. We don't realize it, but we subtly, in very, very subtle ways, protect ourselves from judgment by the way we look at other people. When we judge someone, in addition, we assume someone's motivation, right? 
But God doesn't look at their actions, right? He looks at the motivations of their hearts. And when you assume something about someone's motivations, like me judging the person who screams by me in their car, not realizing they might have somebody in that car who is going to the emergency room, and that's kind of fresh in my mind, that's kind of important. It changes everything about how I perceive the situation. You can have the right motivation and do a wrong thing. Amen? Um, Gosh, I'm so grateful to God. I can't think of how many times I, thinking the, the right motivation for loving someone, did something that actually hurt them, that caused pain. And similarly, you can have the the wrong motivation and do the right thing. Jesus looks at the heart. He looks at the motivations. And he alone has the discernment to tell what the motivations of someone's heart is. Who are we to judge someone else's motivations? As we saw earlier, when we judge someone, we assume the final outcome of their life. We do this positively and negatively. It's so challenging and in funeral situations for me to, to, to navigate that narrow road, to, to present the gospel, but not to assume, not to assume anything about the people that are there listening, not to even assume anything about the person who we're entrusting to the mercy of God. We don't know the final outcome. Only God does. Who are we to make that judgment? We can never really know a person's physical, emotional, or as we said earlier, spiritual resources either. How do you know that if you were in that situation, that you wouldn't have behaved the same way, that you wouldn't have done the same thing? You don't know what, what abilities they have to draw and what experiences they've had. You don't know whether or not they have the Spirit of God, that still small voice whispering in their ear. You, don't, you can't make that judgment about someone else. You always understand why you do the things you do. I've shared with you before, but so many times that passage from Romans 7 um, speaks to me. The Apostle Paul, someone I really revere, someone who, who second maybe to Jesus, got gospel, got grace um, powerfully and blessed us by writing about it. This saint, this saint Paul says, I don't understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. And what I hate, I do. Romans 7 15. So how, how can we possibly understand our own motivations? How can we understand our own decisions, our own actions, much less someone else's, right? How can anyone understand their own motivations and actions apart from the Spirit of God? Apart from the Spirit of God. So Jesus invites us. He challenges us. Don't judge someone else, but use discernment. Use discernment. And, and it's tricky, isn't it? Is, is judgment different than discernment? I think so. Judgment assumes the final outcome. Discernment seeks understanding. Discernment, discernment says, I want to understand why you're experiencing what you're experiencing, why you're doing what you're doing, why you're thinking what you're thinking, and, and, and 
offers to them mercy and grace in a way that they can receive it. The problem for pigs and pearls is you can't digest pearls. They might be the most powerful spiritual truths that that unbeliever ever heard, but if they don't have a context for it, they may not be able to digest it. God needs to give you wisdom on how to love and lead someone into the mercy and grace that is theirs in Jesus Christ. So powerfully, over and over again, not just here, but in the three passages we read, Paul, Jesus, John, everyone points to this issue, James. Wow, James is all over it. He says, what we're not to do, and ever, is to judge someone else. That day will come, and the only one who is able to do that will do it. But what does God do if this is what we're not to do twice in this brief passage, Jesus cycles through what God does. The first time through, he cycles and says, for with the judgment that you judge, you will be judged. In other words, what God does is judge you by the same way you judge other people. How many of us can stand up to that? Right? He says it again, in case you missed it the first time, with the measure you use when you judge someone else, it will be judged to you. Isn't that amazingly fair? I, I, I'm just astounded at the wisdom of God uh, in so many ways. I can just start listing them, but, but, but you know, how does, he fairly, how does he fairly encourage people to trust him? He uses a sliding scale based on, on your income, right? How does, how does God fairly approach this issue here? He says, well, you choose. You choose the way that you're going to be judged because the way you judge other people is going to be the way that you are judged. The measure that you use will be the measure that God uses for you. And then, he, and then he says at the end, God will use the way you treat others to determine how he'll treat you. Wow. Well, that, that sounds like really bad news. But remember that every point, there's mercy and grace available to you. At every point, you, like the tax collector, can come to God and say, God, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me, miserable sinner. At any point, you can come and put your weight down, not on what you have done or what, what others have done to you, but what Jesus has done for you. At any point, you can put your weight down on Christ's righteousness. And in that amazing step of faith, then God honors His faithfulness when He looks at you. And when He measures back to you, He measures Christ's righteousness back to you. That's why it's so critical at some point you come to deal with this man, Jesus. At some point, you have to ask yourself, how am I going to respond to him? Because not to respond to him is to respond to him, right? At some point, you've got to say, I'm going to put my weight down on what Christ has done for me. And in mercy, while you are still broken, while you're still feeling the effects of your sin and your judgment, God says, forgiven. God says, made new. God says, new creation. What, what has gone before is old and has passed away. Now you have a brand new future in front of you. 
Who, who walked away that day from that temple with a new future? The tax collector. The broken one. What does God do? He measures to us with the, with the measurement we choose. So what do we do in response to that? Well, um, this is the golden rule, right? This is this amazing uh, invitation. God says, whatever you wish that others would do to you. Does this sound familiar? Right? Whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. For this sums up the law and the prophets. We were talking earlier this morning about two places that I can think of off the top of my head where Jesus says that. The first one was in the greatest commandment. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. This sums up the law and the prophets. This is the very word of God in one simple understanding. And he does it again here. here how do you understand how you are to live now? He first told us how we can relate to God and to one another in love. Now he says, how do we live? He says, just treat other people the way that you want them to treat you. This sums up all of that Old Testament. This sums up the law and the prophets. So let's put some teeth to it. What do we do? What can we do today? Ask yourself, can I see clearly Can I see clearly today? Is there a log in my eye that's keeping me from seeing the precious soul that found her way into Walmart in her pajama bottoms, right? Is there, is there, forgive me, by the way, if some of you have ever been to Walmart in your pajama bottoms, I'm not picking you, I don't have that knowledge. I'm not calling you out. I'm just calling me out. I'm just calling me out. To an exhaustive moral inventory. In what ways am I participating in sin? Holy Spirit, help me. I love Kristen periodically pulls out Psalm 139. Search me, O God, right? And know my heart. Try me and know my anxious way. See if there's any hurtful way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting, right? Do an exhaustive moral inventory. Ask God to help point it out. The beautiful thing about God, I love Him for this, is that when He does that, He only, he only shows you a little bit at a time. Can you imagine if He showed you the whole magnitude of your sin at one thing? We would, just, we would just crawl into a hole and never come out. But in His mercy and grace, He just shows us today's. Let's, let's work on this today, Dave, right? Let's work on this. Take responsibility for your life first. Take responsibility. I love that word. You know, God is offering you a chance to respond to Him. Not react. Respond. Take responsibility for your life first. Let the Spirit search your heart, your motivations. And when He points out something to you, turn from it. That's the power of that word. Uh, metanoia or repent, repent and receive forgiveness for the sin in your own life. Uh, Oftentimes the reason we're judging someone else is because we feel the weight of sin in our own life. Let's get free of that. Let's let go of that sin first. Ask God, like like the tax collector, cry out for mercy. Right? God, don't give me what I deserve. That's mercy. If you've ever, 
understood this before. If you're feeling a little dissonance, and there's, there's a lot of tensions in Scripture. There's several right here in this passage. Judge, not judge. If you're feeling the tension of, uh, in this Scripture about uh, how can God be both merciful and just at the same time, God is completely just. He, he gives us what we deserve. He meets out the wages of our sin, right? But then he, he comes down and takes that, that judgment upon himself. He doesn't not judge it. He judges it, but takes the punishment upon himself. That's what we're going to celebrate over these next couple of weeks, is Jesus doing that and saying, Father, not my will be done, but, but if this is the cup that you want me to drink, I will drink it on behalf of him, on behalf of her. I will drink it so that they don't have to bear that burden. Right? I will take this sin upon myself. God in the flesh took your sin upon himself, so God is completely just. The wages of sin is death, and Christ died for your sin, for my sin. God is both completely just, he's completely merciful, and he's completely gracious. While we're still sinners, he offers us grace. Before we ever were aware, he offered us grace. Here's life, Dave. Here's life, oh judgmental one. Receive it. Receive it and sin no more. Go forward from this place. Ask God for mercy. When you have received it, when, you, when your heavy burden has been lifted, when, when joy has begun to infiltrate where before it was only darkness and stuff like that, then don't stop there. Remember, he, he didn't say, don't take the speck out of your brother's eye. He didn't say that. He said, take the log out of your own first. Ask yourself, what does love require here? I mean, real love. What does love require here? I love this, this illustration of the eye, right? Because few things are more sensitive to the eye. How many times have you had an eyelash in your eye and it drove you nuts, Right? And I can't, I'd pass out if I started to think about just eye surgery, some of them that you, some of them you've had. And when I think about someone messing with my eye, I, I, I cower in fear, right? But what do you do when someone is hurting or their vision is obscured when they have a speck in their eye, right? You help them take the speck out, right? You stop the pain. You get the speck out of there. Sorry about that. You get the speck out of there. And humility. Because you also have had a log in your own. And brokenness. Because you had to go through that process of repentance. You had to put your weight down on what Christ has done for you. You're not judging anybody. You just say, I'm, I'm, I'm a beggar. I'm a broken sinner like yourself who's found life in Jesus Christ. Offer your help to the one in need. And I think the phrase that just helps me so much in this situation is, is to say, uh, not, um, I see the speck in your eye. Let's go after it. It's this amazing statement. Help me understand. Help me understand. For a non-believer, help me understand. You say that you want life, but, but you keep making choices that seem to cause you pain. Help me understand. For the believer, you, you say that you, you love Jesus, and, and yet this aspect of your life seems to be kind of in contradiction to his word. I, I don't know. 
what's going on in your heart. Help me understand. I want to understand, right? Help me understand. Lastly, ask yourself, how would I want to be treated? Right? And respond accordingly. I would want... I would want that person to have amazing mercy and grace. By the way, I would want that person to point that thing out to me. Don't you all point it out immediately following the service. I'm a little vulnerable right after the service. But I want that. I'm so grateful. Uh, I have a couple different fellowships, three at least, where I'm involved with other men. And for whatever reason, I can just receive it better from other men. And, um, and, and we're accountable to one another. And, and they ask me hard questions. It might be as simple as this morning about my diet. Or, or uh, on a Wednesday night, it might, be, it might be as complex as how is, your, how is your struggle with sin going, Dave? I'm grateful for that opportunity. I want to be treated that way. Ask yourself, how do you want to be treated? And then in brokenness, in humility, respond accordingly. And don't forget, again, this passage wasn't just stuck in there. Don't forget the importance of prayer here in, in, this, in this section. Right? Did you see that? Ask. It looked, it looked so disjointed. He says, ask, and it will be given to you. Right? Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be open to you. Do you understand what this is? This is the single greatest expression anyway of the magnitude of, of God's grace in answering your prayers. And so I'm starting to think lotteries. I'm starting to think new cars, right? I'm starting to think, if this is true, and, and, and then I realize the context that it's in. This, this amazing passage on prayer is before, right, the, the golden rule. It's after the do not judge. The context for ask and seek and knock is the very thing we're talking about. God having mercy on us. Ask, seek, knock. God having mercy on, on uh, the one that we're tempted to judge. Let me just say real quickly, this is in your notes, but... But there's three prayers that struck me this morning as I was thinking last thoughts about this. Very important prayers to ask, seek, and knock. The prayer of the penitent, right? The prayer of the tax collector. Lord, have mercy on me. That's a very important prayer. The prayer for wisdom. Oh God, who am I? Can I use you, brother? Uh, Curtis and I just go way back in accountable relationships, you know. God, help me understand how to approach Curtis on this issue of accountability. Give me wisdom, God. I'm asking you. I'm seeking your face, God. I don't want to respond out of Dave. I want to respond out of Jesus. And then, then if God doesn't answer that first time, either for him or for me, as I'm seeking to take the speck out of his eye, then I keep knocking, right? I keep asking the prayer for wisdom. God, show me how to love in the way you've invited me to love. Ask for wisdom. Use the ask. Ask, seek, knock. See that A-S-K? Use the ask prayer for the one that you're tempted to judge. Go back to the parent. God, how do I love this person who very likely is a single parent um, who very likely is working three jobs just to be able to afford to go to Walmart to get some groceries, right? God, Give me mercy and grace to know how to love this precious child of yours. 
whose child is lying on the floor at Walmart. See how that that works? Don't miss the gift of God in prayer. Why? Because because if, if you who are broken and sinful, and Jesus uses a stronger word, I'm, I'm struggling with it a little bit, but if you, Jesus says, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. I'm thinking about the gifts that you give them of your love and your attention and your sacrificing your time. If you know how to give good gifts, how much more? Would you say that with me? How much more will your Heavenly Father give good gifts to you. Pray with me, would you? Thank you, God, that you love us more than we could ever imagine. And I know that not all of us have had good experiences with our earthly parents. Many of us have spent decades trying to overcome, God, aspects of broken parental relationships. But God, you're a good, good father. the hunger that's left in us from even the broken relationships with our parents or with our children only makes us hunger more and more for right relationship with you. God, grant us courage to ask of you today what you put on our hearts. Give us amazing faith to be able to believe that you're able to provide in the midst of our brokenness. And then God grant that we can look at every person we encounter with the eyes of Jesus to love them, to lead them to life. God will give you the praise and the glory. In Jesus' name.